Today we're talking to Whitney Gilliard. Whitney is a great friend of ours and of Comfort Cases, and she has a nonprofit called Gilliard and Company. They work with um, youth who are aging out of foster care to help them find placements or, or help them find a place to live and to help them get on their feet and to really become productive adults, help them get into school, help them with groceries and all the support that they need. And Whitney does amazing, amazing work. And she was in foster care herself. We actually did a podcast with her in the past, if you want to go and find that episode. And today we want to talk about how the coronavirus and this shelter in place and all that has affected um, youth who are aging out of foster care and the people that she works with. So Whitney, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me here. I'm, I'm super excited to, to talk about something that really impacts our day to day for sure. Yeah, Whitney, it's so good to hear your voice. I, you know, the fact is, is I, I think a lot about, you know, as this pandemic has stretched across our country, you know, a lot of states are, are, you know, they're lifting the stay at home. I think you live in a state that, that some of the stay at home orders have, are being lifted. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm, I was just reading an article today that, um, it was in, uh, local paper you're from my area up here so it was in local paper and it talked about the um the increase that we're going to see um after the coronavirus has passed through our country and they're they're listing things like you know family visits have been suspended indefinitely domestic violence and child abuse um is increasing um you know fewer foster parents um are more at risk who would normally the older foster parents are not doing this how is this affecting this virus affecting you with what you and maurice are doing um for children who are aging out so covid 19 hitting us has been like I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it. You know, we're carrying our day to day, carrying on, carrying on. And then suddenly, boom, you know, there's this huge, we're shutting everything down, you know, and our everyday consisted of making sure that we're already, you know, stopping track and making sure that our, our young adults are being cared for and supported. Um, and we, we are already working around some of the hurdles that they have to go through daily. So when our nation came to a halt, um, that really, that, that really paused us because for us, we sit here and as much as there's warnings and, and alerts saying that don't go out, don't go out, I felt like foster care was very much forgotten because you're telling me that I can't, I shouldn't go out. You're advising this, not realizing that I have young adults who go through daily struggles that I have to go see. We have to check in on them. We have to make sure that they're, that they're eating and that, they're, you know, they have everything that they need and, and that they're safe and that their emotional and mental wellness is taken care of. So it really impacted us for sure. And on top of that, the first thing was, where do we get these gloves? Where do we get any of this stuff? And as the nation and, and everyone started grabbing what was theirs and, and, and got their own things for their family, you have young adults here who have no family. They have nobody outside of us. So it's our job to not just take care of, like, me, my husband, my son, you know, I have to, we have to take care of them, too. So that was very alarming for us, for sure. When all the stops and everyone spent it for themselves and it was taken away, um, we stood there at Walmart looking at it and going, oh, my gosh, you know. So, so that was number one. That, that was 
That was a little crazy. So you're in a state where you you have a you know you have you have young adults who you are making sure that you're mentoring, you're helping them, and they actually have nobody whatsoever to call. So so who walked them through? Did did they get their stimulus check? Did they you know? So that was something that um, was really interesting, right? So when I, 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 and it's really ugly to say this, um, and, and I will say it if nobody's going to say it, but I feel like it's a reality that needs to be recognized. Young adults who come to us, we're their last stop in foster care. We really are. Um, if you're getting adopted, if you're getting fostered, if you're returning home, you would be coming to our placement. When you come to us, we are your last stop. You're, you're recognizing, or you should have recognized by now, caseworker, somebody who is caring in your life has recognized you are not returning home or any home as, as of that. So now you have to be independent and stand on your own two feet through this program. And we take them in with loving arms, and that's why we have things like family day and stuff like that. It's very important to us. But at the same time, our young adults come to us, and they come to us just as if. Rob, remember when how um, you know your kids came to you? Yeah. Um, that's no different on how our kids come to us. They still come to us in trash bags. It's almost like a 12-year-old, 12-year-old coming to this independent living program that we have. And we have to make sure they get everything. So now that COVID has, has impacted, you know, our community and, and our nation, we have our young adults who have, who don't know, as, you know, what does the real IRS website look like? Who am I, like, wh- what's the first thing that I need to grab? Where's my social security card? Oh, my caseworker has it. Okay. And then on top of that, there is a huge lack of, like, awareness, and, and, and we have to bring into fighting the rights for our young adults because we have situations where, we have other people coming to our program, and this is not just with us, this is with every other youth in care as well. Um, they're being claimed by people who do not take care of them. So they can't get their stimulus check. What do you do with that? Yeah. Right, yeah, like the identity that? theft that we've talked about before. Yep. Exactly, exactly. And then you have you have bio parents or foster parents or rescue parents that did not have this child for the long duration of time, and they claim this child now, who is going to come in and sit down with this, with this young adult and say, this is your right to petition. This is what you can do. This is what happens when you don't. This is what happens when you do. How do you champion what you need? Not what you want, what you need, yeah. right? And being able to teach them to decipher that, how do you, and then at the same time, at the same time with something so black and white, teach them about empathy and, and empathy for themselves, right? Looking out for you. And, and clarifying the fact that you are here for you. Yeah. So, so how do you want to handle it? You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, I we have a son, 19 years old. Um, he arrived in the fall of last year. And um, when, when the stimulus check was, you know, being talked about and everything, um, we looked at our son and we said, this check is yours. Um, and he was like, really? And I said, yes. I was like, you're 19 years old. You know, you have car insurance that you pay. You have, you know, all these things that you, you need to take care of and you need to invest this money, um, save this money. But, you know, it saddens my heart because I just thought about, and I didn't even never even think about that. Like, you know, the fact that if we had not, you know, been those parents who have like, you know, made sure that we filled out all the information and, you know, and he had filed his taxes for the very first time this year. 
And so that was fortunate, but if, but somebody else, that's just so sad. It's so sad that, you know, how, how's it going when it comes to your donors? Um, you know, this is such a scary time for everybody. And, and we know as having a nonprofit that we have seen, you know, a 75% drop in giving. How, how's that, how's that going? So we love our monthly donors and our, all of our, you know, all of our donors to death. I mean, we love them absolutely. Why? Because they, they help us service so many needs. And one of them was, so when our young adults come to a program, they all get a $50 monthly bus pass. We, we load up their bus passes, right? That's when you learn public transportation. I'm a girl from the DMV. So I don't have a problem with that. And we teach our young adults that it's not the fact that you're in foster care that you need to take the bus. It's because if you don't have enough money to buy your own car or to take Uber, that's what you have to do, right? But when COVID, um, you know, came about, we, 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 we love our kids like our own. So we sat here and we were like, um, I don't know about y'all, you know, this is me talking to our teammates, but we're all like, we don't want our kids to take the bus because that's where you can get in. You know, there's so many, there's right. a crowd of people. So because of our monthly donors, we've been able to support our young adults and Uber and, and Lyft transportation to get to work safely, you know, and practicing social distancing. So things like that um, was really important. And then, you know, things that um, people don't typically think about, you have young adults who go through their own hygienic struggles as well, and that's something that we work through. And on a random time where everything is being sold out and we need to buy bed sheets or we need to get other things, um, we have been blessed to say that not a beat has stopped when it comes to being able to fulfill every single minute need that comes to our kids. I love that. You know, love so that. They, no, that's amazing. Has stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's important. And even with the haircuts, we've had barbers that just donated their, their talent, wow. you know, and didn't charge anything because that allowed us to save up for now. We're about to open another unit so that we can have more young people come in because now there's a surplus of young adults who need housing at this time after not being able to stay in dorms or whatever personal situations have happened. You know, foster parents not taking in more kids because they're, um, you know, they don't want their home to be, you know, potentially um, affected by COVID. So now saving up that money allows us to open up a whole nother unit and furnish it too. Yeah, Dana and I were talking to somebody about that today, about how she's been getting messages of foster parents who have been throwing their um, children out, throwing the children of, you know, foster care children out um, onto the streets uh, because of the virus. Yep, either because they um, lost a job or they're worried about someone bringing it home or there's just too much stress. Yeah, I mean, that's awful. There's so many dynamics that come to it. And uh, and maybe we'll talk about it in this podcast, but that's why we really want there to be a pause in the aging out process right now. Yes. You know? Let's talk about the, this. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah. The 21 year old that comes, that is turning 21 in our program. I don't know about you, but we, we don't have the heart to just go leave because you're 21 and graduate you that way. There's no way. Where are you going to go right now? What, what, what apartment complex is still taking in people? What, you know, what, what home are you going to go to? Are you really going to feel safe driving all the way to Macon or further you know, like because of all the parameters that's being put into place by, you know, CDC and everything advising our health. What do you, what do, you do about that? You know? Yeah, no, I agree. We were actually, we, we just were speaking to someone else that we, the topic happened that, you know, we, 
we as a country, we, we, we have set these kids up for failure. Um, we have absolutely set them up for failure. And I agree with you at 21, at 22, at 23, at 24, these kids are not ready not to have some type of net, you know, not to have some type of net. We owe them that, you know, today, um, Dane and I were talking about this and someone had said, you know, not, there's not a kid in this country who wakes up in the morning and says, I want to be in foster care, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we know that these children are in the system because of choices that other people made. And let's talk about the billions, billions of dollars that we spent last year in the child welfare system, you know, and what do we have to show for it? You know, what do we have to show for it? Only 54% of kids in foster care graduate, only 11% apply to college, and only 3% get a college education. That's bullshit. You know, it's total bullshit. And we should be ashamed of ourselves as a nation to allow these kids to age out. And literally what I'm worried about is I'm worried about the states who with the requirement is 18. You know, some states, they've changed it to 19, to 20, to 21, even though I don't agree with that. But these kids who are 18 years old, this virus has now hit. They're 18 years old. And the foster parents look at them and say, bye. Where do they go? Yeah. Where do they go? I mean, we... I was going to we just had our first case um yesterday um of a 17-year-old boy in the district of Columbia um who died of the coronavirus 17 years old okay I immediately said to Reese oh my gosh what if that is a child who has been kicked out of his family and he's on the street and got that virus you know how could we do this to kids how could we do it I just don't, I mean, personally for me, I see, I see this and I just know on the regular, this just sounds so bad. So on the regular, you know, youth aging out the foster care system are more susceptible to becoming homeless and unemployed. Okay. Um, and they go from this foster care to pipeline and then you now put that into coronavirus, right? That's like that times 10 to the upteenth level. And I, and I, it's just really tough because I sit here. And even for, let's just say, basic um, sanitary and hygienic stuff, like, we we were the ones that provided, you know, masks and, and a sanitation kit for a young adult. Really as simple as that. Imagine somebody turning 21 years old today, and they leave, and they don't have any sort of family. I mean, in a perfect world, graduating from our from our program means that, yeah, you go you, you go into single occupancy housing and you're able to take care of yourself. But the reality is not not every situation comes out that way for one reason or another, right? So right. for the twenty one year old that just leaves, they they don't even have the very basic, basic, basic face mask to protect themselves, let alone a house, let alone a car, let alone a job, let alone all these other things that they are up against. And so you wonder why young adults from the foster system end up, you know, going into other other things like selling drugs and then getting locked up because they, they need fast money because they need to survive. You know, like there's there's no there's no other way to put it and it's like we're putting them in this corner and we're shaking them up like a soda bottle and we just think, oh the soda's just gonna come out smooth. There's no way. There's no way it's gonna explode. And I feel like that's what we have for our young adults. Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent with with you on this. So, tell me, what's the feeling like in Georgia? I mean, you guys are are your your governor is um, definitely done a lot more 
um, opening up than, you know, for instance, our governor, um, who we're still in shutdown mode and probably will be until I'm 90. No, no I just... We have um, no idea. There's a plan, but it's there, a big plan and it's going to take a while. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely those days that we're just like, I, I will have to tell you that I, I worry for you all. Um, but then there are other times that I look at you and I'm jealous. Um, for yeah. so, so, so tell me what is, you know, what, what, what does it feel like in Georgia right now? Um, it feels so Georgia for us, especially here in Savannah, to me, coming from DC, I call this like 24 seven vacation. You know, you have Tybee Island, you have downtown Georgia, everybody here. I mean, you get to walk around with your, with, with liquor and just, you know, it's no, it's no big deal to see like, you know, um, uh, somebody walking down the street and they're just, you know, they have like um, a, a pina colada in their hands and they're just, you know, hanging out. I mean, it's like party town here 24 seven and it's such a good vibe with family and everything. And so to drive downtown and see that the street is just quiet, it's really eerie. It's very eerie and it's, it's not right. It's, it's just not the same. And then slowly we've seen some restaurants here open up and still you can see people being hesitant towards that because is it packed? Absolutely not. Not like before. The restaurants that are very, they're typically swamped, they're not swamped, right? There's just a few people there. And it's such an eerie feeling. That's how I perceive it. And I know that our mayor, Van Johnson, has been very um, verbal about, like, you know, he absolutely does not agree with this. As for our family and teaching our young adults, you know, we are still teaching everyone to practice social distancing to make sure that we take care of ourselves and wash our hands. Nothing has changed, right, even when, when the state has opened up. But the feeling here, so everyone's really eager to go out. Everyone's really, really eager. Everybody wants to see their friends again. Um, but it is, it, it's strange. It's strange. It's like, it's, you know when you have the days where it's, um, where the cloud is, where the sky is really clear and there's sun, but it's raining, you yeah, know, those days? Yeah. That's kind of, that's what it's like here in Georgia. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. It's really strange. Well, it's really strange. Well, when our when our um, government, um, our governor decides to open up our state, um, Dana and I said it today. We're we're going to be sitting inside um, watching what everybody else does and see what happens to them. Yeah, wait a little, wait a little while just to make sure. If it's all okay, then we're going to come out. But if we're going to. That's how I am too. Like, like well, I'm going to stay here, and we're going to see in 14 days what happens. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I will tell you. We'll see what's going on. We're, we're all pioneers, and I believe we're all leaders. But when it comes to stuff like this, um, I'm more than happy to um, let somebody else lead when it comes to that. You know, Whitney, I I'm all always so so excited when when you come on and you're so you bring so much great information to to all of us and you know hearing these stories about kids who are aging out of the system and how they're dealing with the coronavirus you know i i agree 100 percent with you this virus has hit us like a brick wall and i feel like the people that are suffering i get it people on the front line my heart goes out to you but i think that we have done such a disservice by we're not talking about our children we're not talking about our children you know um I, I I flip through the news. I don't hear people talking about it. I hear a snippet snippet of an article, um, but but really the 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 devastating effect that this virus is doing um, 
to our foster care system, which, by the way, is already shattered. Um, you know, it's just like I said, I think that we are all going to be in a rude awakening um, within the next three to six months about how the numbers are going to increase. And, you know, you're opening up another center, which, by the way, kudos to you. I don't know how you're doing it. You're a mom. You run an amazing nonprofit. You have all of these these young humans that you, you're mentoring and you're, you're trying to help shape and mold. You and your husband are opening up a brand new restaurant. I, girl, you are truly, you have your cape on. <laughs> I have um, I have my son that's, that's behind me that's constantly like, mommy, like let's go play. And I, I think, you know, I personally, if there's anything that I can say at this time is, yes, it was bringing a lot of awareness to a lot of things, but can we please just stop, take a break, and look at the people who are doing this and what they're doing. I feel there's so many conversations where I you know, where I have with people that go, oh, I have no idea that a program like that exists. And I'm like, okay, there's a lot of providers, independent living program providers. We are the one of the few here in Savannah. But if we take the time and talk about where funding goes to, imagine what would happen without independent living providers that provide housing. Just imagine what would happen. Imagine if we have all these 18-year-olds with nowhere else to go. Rob, what if your son wasn't with you? Wouldn't that break your heart now that you know like who he is and not who he is on paper? Yeah. What if he's here in Georgia and he's not able to come to us? What happens then? Because this all really affects just the human spirit of, of humanity, like you all always talk about. Be a good human. Look at the humans who are doing things that are imperative. And then ask yourself, what can we do to make sure that we stop the generation and cycle of abuse here and now? And it starts with giving somebody a good place to stay and warm food to eat. And so that they can lay their head at night and know I'm not homeless and tomorrow I deserve a better day. You know, that's what I would like to say to you. Wow. Wow. You know, you, you always know the way to end it, my my sister. I love you, love you so much. So listen, as you've done this before, and you'll do this probably many more times on, on Fostering Change, um, we always ask a question. And Dana, go ahead. Let's ask Whitney the question. So if you could change two things about the foster care system, what would they be? Two things. Um, I know the first thing is... Um, what I always tell people, gosh, I'm so bad at these things, guys. <laughs> um, the first one is I would I would tell people, can we can we strip away the titles and be more of who we actually are meant to be? I, I'm tired of seeing wonderful directors, great supervisors, great so and so and so. But I don't ever hear, oh, this is a great. This I, I don't hear young adults going, this has been a great aunt like figure to me. This has been a great sister like figure to me, mother like figure to me. I always hear I have a good caseworker or director. Like let's break that let's let's de-institutionalize our kids like let's not keep them in that framework because i can tell you from where i'm standing at it it is traumatic to see that they're like walking prisoners with these types of statements that they have about their own lives it's not normal and we can't normalize it if it doesn't start in the very beginning um and two i would say just take the time, um, and for the foster system, I would feel like there people need to take the time and just think about why we're in this. Why are we in this? Are we in this for for financial gains? Are we in this so we can feel good about ourselves? What are we in this for? And who are we in this for? Because as, as coronavirus is here and it's a pandemic, and, and selflessness is what we depend on 
I will challenge every single person who's involved with foster care to ask themselves, what are you in this for? And how can you be selfless today? You know, that's what I would, those two things. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, listen, everybody, um, you know, I say this quite often. You are only as strong as the people that you surround yourself with. And I am so, so, so lucky that I get to call Whitney my friend, that she is such a huge supporter of comfort cases as we are to her nonprofit, that we know that truly nonprofits only get ahead and will only make a difference if we come together. Um, you know, it was funny. Today we were talking to Leanne um, Tui from The Blind Side, and she said, why can't we all just get around the table, all the good people that are doing stuff, and come together and say, okay, guys, let's, let's all talk about this and figure out how we can make this change. And I'm thinking to myself, dang, woman, you're smart, you know, because – Whitney and I have been saying that forever. <laughs> All come together. So, Whitney, listen, thank you so much for being on Fostering Change. Um, everyone, you can listen to Fostering Change on all the... Yep, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Deezer, Spotify, and at comfortcases.org slash podcast. And we will also have links to Whitney's organization, Gilliard & Company, um, on our website as well. And so please. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, and everybody have an amazing day. Hold on, Whitney.